Join us for episode 41 with the VP at GT Nexus, an Infor company, where we talk about end-to-end visibility. Retail aspirations are high. Is the supply chain foundation enough? Welcome back to the show. Big shout out to our listeners because without you, two babes would not be possible. Thank you so much for your support. Today we have Alex, the Director of Disruptive Solutions at Geodis, talking to us today about keeping it personal in the digital age. Alex Rodine is Director of Disruptive Solutions for Geodis and former COO of Kanga, a technology company solving on-demand local delivery. In a career building companies, Alex helped introduce everything from an e-commerce site way back in 2002 to baby mobiles that play fight songs, so the logical next step is a crowdsourced local delivery solution. As a former paperboy janitor, telemarketer, drill sergeant, and city council member, it adds up to a lifetime of never sitting still. Alex earned a BA from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, served 10 years in the U.S. Army, was in Mexico City during the swine flu outbreak, and needs to visit Idaho and North Dakota to complete his tour of the United States. Alex loves sports with particular emphasis on baseball and college football, plus any activity involving a team from the United States competing against another country. Welcome to the show, Alex. We're so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. All right, so let's get started. Who is Geodis? So Geodis is a... uh global logistics company. They're headquartered in Paris. They have operations on most continents and they service all aspects of supply chain. And they, uh, depending on the country, some are asset-based solutions, some are partner-based solutions. And among the clients they work with are IBM, Toshiba, and BP. Awesome, awesome. So what are ways that supply chain can make a personal impact and what are the examples? So when we think about supply chain, at least for me and for the people in this industry, I like to think of the factory somewhere in the world that crafts a bolt. And that bolt is going to go from its formation in the factory to another factory where it becomes part of an engine, which goes to another factory and becomes part of a lawnmower, which goes onto a container and then trucked to a dock and put on a boat and crosses an ocean and unloaded and placed on a train and taken across the country and then put back on a truck and taken to a warehouse and probably put on a smaller truck and brought to a store where you see it and then after you purchase it, that store you bought it from wants to bring it to you and so some guy shows up in a van or some woman shows up in a van and they bring it to you and your interaction with this entire process going from the creation of that bolt it arrives as a fully finished lawnmower at your home, your only interaction is with the person who brings it to you. So you're blissfully unaware of everything that's gone into getting that lawnmower to you. But there's so many pieces, and that's why there is so much uh, that has to happen around supply chain and last mile and the emphasis on last mile. That's why we talk about keeping it personal, particularly in digital age, because the impact of that last mile solution, that final delivery to the end customer, is so crucial. And every step that's gone into getting the lawnmower to you, if it arrives late, if it arrives broken, if it arrives in some condition that is unacceptable or your experience is bad, 
you're going to write off everything that happened in that entire process, and the system is broken down. So that's why we have so much emphasis on last mile, and that's why we believe that there's such a personal impact, because for you as the end customer, if you're not able to have a positive experience, get it delivered the way you want, when you want, how you want, then as far as you're concerned, it's been a bad experience and the supply chain has failed. So that's the responsibility of the company to make sure that it's handled correctly. That's the expectation of the customer, which needs to be met or exceeded. And that's where we really step in and talk about the importance of last mile and how it is so personal because for that end consumer, it's everything. Absolutely. Despite only being one small part of a massive supply chain operation. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great point because when you, when you go and pick up a product from the store or you get it delivered or or things like that, you don't actually think about the number of people or the number of companies or the number of, of ways that it was brought over. I mean, it's, it's such a, such a, such an interesting point that, you know, not a lot of people that aren't in our industry really think about. Not at all. So hopefully everyone in our industry is recognizing the importance of it and I don't want anyone to lose sleep over it, but they probably should because it's that big a deal. Excellent. So, Alex, the next question I got is, how do you use the word innovation? So, for me, I see innovation, which is you know used quite a bit and means different things to different people. The meaning to me of innovation is, I, I, I like to I like to think of it this way: it's part disruption, it's part solution, and it's all about a process of thinking critically and carefully about what needs to be solved. And so innovation to me is understanding there's something that we're lacking, there's something that we're missing, there's a need that isn't being met in the marketplace for existing customers, for potential customers, and we need to come up with that solution and being open to what that solution might be. I think that often in supply chain logistics, people can fall into doing it the way it's been done and aren't as open to thinking about it new and in an innovative way. And that's really where I see innovation coming and having such a, a huge opportunity and, and I tie it to disruption, which in my mind is just the idea that, heck, there was a time when we searched for stuff on the internet without using Google. And yet now, can you imagine not having Google as a solution? Someone had to come up with that solution and think about it. And that's where I really see the innovation coming in. And there are solutions within supply chain logistics that haven't been conceived of yet, but there's a need there's a market demand for it, and it's going to be the leaders of the industry who come up with it that win the day. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. So you talk about how innovation is you know, helping supply chain, but how is innovation helping on hindering supply chain professionals? Well, I think sometimes uh, people can over, overthink it. You know, innovation doesn't have to be, and I know this may sound like a bit of a contradiction, but innovation doesn't mean having to completely reinvent the wheel. It can be thinking about an existing solution and tweaking it. It can be recognizing that there is a tried and true solution that hasn't been applied to a problem and being open to that as well. It really is about being open to the best possible solution. That solution may exist, that solution may need to be tweaked, or that solution may need to be invented. But those are all the things that uh, really come into play. So that's where it can be a hindrance is if people are like, no, innovation needs completely fresh and brand new and don't bring me a solution that's ever been tried before. Really, if you think about innovation, it's coming up with the best answer. And that's what it, what I see as the focus so it can be a hindrance if people are obsessed with doing something different, but 
but it's not necessarily the most effective. And what are some tough questions supply chain professionals are asking? Certainly the questions they're asking themselves are, in a world where more and more uh, the notion of free delivery is ubiquitous, and we all know, being in the industry, there's no such thing as free delivery. There's always a cost attached to the delivery. Now, how you recoup that cost, that's the question that we all need to solve. But it's setting expectation in the customer's mind. And I think that one real opportunity that we all have in this space is to recognize that while a customer's expectation may be four out of five times they want the free solution, they still want choice. And that's at the heart of all of this is Give them their options. Let them choose. It may be that they value paying a premium to get a specific delivery window or a particular type of delivery. Those things matter. And so don't just assume that in this age where everything is free delivery, free delivery, or free shipping, that that's always what the customer wants. What the customer really wants is the right solution for them. Yeah, that's a really great point because a lot of there's a lot of focus and there's a lot of emphasis on free delivery, free delivery, like you said. But at the end of the day, if somebody can pay a little bit more to have it delivered at 4 p.m., maybe on a Thursday, because that's the day that they're going to be home, you know, are people willing to willing to do that? Exactly. That's, it, that's a great point, Sarah. Is, that's exactly it. What does the customer want? You give them the power to have that choice. Because I think if there's anything that's happening in this day and age, supply chain, logistics people need to think about is, how do I create the choices that my customers are interested in, and how do I give them the power to choose? Because that's going to drive loyalty, and that's going to drive profitability, and everything else that all of us in this industry are focused on. Yeah, and stop, you know, with the focus on the free delivery and and the assumption that that's just what everybody wants. Nothing is ever free in this world. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. Okay, so we're going to get back to more, you know, personal in a digital age. So why don't we talk about what are the secrets of keeping it personal in the digital age? You, you kind of covered a little bit at the beginning of, of the conversation, but why don't you give us some of the secrets that, you know, these supply chain professionals, professionals and our listeners can take away with them? Well, I, I think that, again, the recognition of, of we think of supply chain and, and all the things that have to happen within it. We think about logistics. The personal piece is understanding the impact that your solution, in my space obviously the emphasis is on last mile, that your solution is going to have an impact on that end consumer. And how do you handle it in a way so that impact is positive, profitable, and drives customer and brand loyalty. And sometimes we may be solving for it on behalf of a client. It may be that you know we're a company that's partnered with, say, a large retailer, and so we have to think how to best serve their customer, even though it's not our direct customer. And so I think it's the recognition that people want things to be personal. They want to feel that they have choice. They want to have that uh, opportunity and recognizing how we can give them that experience and make it the best possible experience overall. And the ways in which we do that is communication. And uh, the old idea of, well, if something's after delivery, you call the dispatcher, or who calls the driver, who calls back the dispatcher, then calls the customer to say where it stands. No, the customer wants real-time visibility into where their item is. You also want to uh, give them the tools and assurances. You know, this is, you know, this is protected. If you order from us, don't worry. If something happens, it'll be taken care of. We'll make it right. Those are things that help people feel 
personal connection to a brand through the supply chain and logistics uh, operations that I think sometimes can get overlooked. You know, we often say, well, we've got a warehouse, we've got trucks, we've got stuff in the warehouse, we've got to put it on trucks and get it out to people, and that's the end of it. And there's so much more because it's personal to the, to the end customer who's really who we're serving. Yeah, and you're being more proactive on the personal side rather than reactive. And it, you know, it sounds kind of funny that, you know, the dispatcher calls the trucker and, you know, we're still in that flux within this industry that I find, you know, some people are still doing that. Some people are moving forward and and changing that. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where it all goes. Exactly. And it's going to be fascinating. And uh, again, we're in a very consumer driven time. And in the past, the notion was, hey, there's a solution. We'll tell you what it is. You accept it. You get what you get. And you don't get upset. And that's all changed. And that's the responsibility of forward-thinking supply chain logistics companies to recognize how everything has changed, the, the power that customers have now, because when they have that bad experience with the delivery, they get on social media and they blow you up. Yeah. And and as I, yes, go ahead. No, it's just I was going to say, and it's the responsibility of every company along the way. It's not just yeah. the responsibility of that retailer who's taking the responsibility the for the for the last mile delivery. It's you know the freight forwarder that you're using. It's the customs broker that you're using. It's the, the trucker. trucker. It's customs. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's understanding that going all the way back to the beginning of the supply chain, if I if my if my factory makes getting back to the initial gym, my factory makes bolts, I need to understand that that bolt and I say this all the time, you know, we really need to see our jobs, regardless of industry, wherever we work, whatever we do, we need to see our role not as being part of an assembly line, but an assembly loop. And that every input that we make personally into an item is going to have an impact, positive or negative, and that impact will come back to us because it's on a loop. So I need to understand what's coming to me, what my input is, and then where it's going. And so that my input is the best it can possibly be to continue to make a stronger overall product. So for the partners that you have as part of the supply chain who manufacture that bolt, I need to recognize it's going from here, so it needs to ship on time, because there's going to be part of an engine that needs to ship on time, and on and on and on down the line. So you're right, every step along the way, there's a huge potential to disrupt in a negative way, or to support in a very positive way, the overall flow to create the best experience for the end consumer. Absolutely, and I think people are slowly starting to recognize that. It's, it's taken a little bit of time for the industry to get there, but I, I think we're getting there. So do you have uh, specific examples of you know, companies that are you know, making it personal, doing it right, um, that kind of thing? I do, and so one company I love talking about is Fuji, F-O-O-J-I. Uh, it's a combination of food and emoji. And their company, they're based in Lexington, Kentucky, and they were founded with the idea that you should be able to order food with simply an emoji. So if you're in the mood for tacos, you send a taco emoji through uh, a certain application, and the highest rated taco place that delivers will bring you tacos. And that is awesome. Have a great experience. That is amazing. Where has that been my whole life? <laughs> <laughs> like, I could just be like, yeah, let's taco, burger, anything, sushi. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, that's... <laughs> That's the whole thing. So, and, and so what came out of that was a recognition that there are companies out there, brands, that want to connect with uh, 
their customers in a different way. Everything's digital. You know, getting back to the topic, you know, keeping it personal and digital age. Everything's digital now. So if you want to build brand loyalty, you can engage people online through social media. You can give them badges and, and other digital rewards. But to really make an impact, to really differentiate, to get brand awareness and experiences, and then leverage social media to get people talking about this awesome thing you've done, what Fuji recognized is they can go partner with big brands and beyond just saying, hey, we've got a solution. If you text an emoji, you'll get some sort of digital reward. Why not actually bring them something? And they started with an emphasis on food. So, hey, take it as an example, Disney. They do a promotion. You send an emoji, you use the hashtag, you follow the correct uh, handle on Twitter or Instagram, and if you're in the right area, they'll bring you a gift. And so we did a, did a promotion uh, recently for Guardians of the Galaxy, where we bought uh, brought uh, little dolls uh, from some of the characters, group being the most popular, and delivered them in 10 markets across the United States. So people would send an emoji because they were following the correct Twitter, uh, and they requested their gift, and then it was delivered. And if you think about the impact of that on a customer and the loyalty, and then they leverage their social media network to share that story over and over again. Well, my favorite is we did delivery for Beauty and the Beast of a rose, and we did that on Valentine's Day this year. And what Fuji came up with was these roses would be delivered, and there's this amazing video that went around as a result of this of this little girl receiving her rose and just shrieking with joy. And you can imagine that that little girl will spend the rest of her life shoveling money at Disney because of the impact of that. And what Disney recognized and what Fuji enables using technology, but obviously also supply chain and logistics, is that interaction that goes to a whole new level. And when you think about Disney, they have lots of assets, they have brilliant marketing, they have so much brand credibility, and they recognize the value of making it even more personal by physically presenting uh, certain fans with a gift and the impact that has for them, it just tells you the power of it and the significance of it. And that's really what Fuji has discovered and they're growing rapidly as a result working with these brands, enabling these deliveries that are requested through social media, but then wind up in whether it's food or a doll or a rose or any other item that they can have delivered. That's amazing. I love that. That is awesome. Yeah. The only thing now is Fuji ordering food, getting delivered by a drone. Ah, yes. Nick Then I got drones. everything covered. I got my drones. <laughs> I got my food. I'm a happy man. Just put a sports game on, and what more do I need in my life? That's exactly it. And, and hopefully, and I'm confident there are, people are sitting around figuring out how to do that. How to deploy that fleet of drones. How to enable that delivery so that you can have your on-demand experience. And would you pay a premium for it? My guess is you would. Oh, for sure. I, I don't like going shopping and stuff, so if I could just order something online and it'll just come to me directly, yeah, I'd be... Oh, by a drone, you mean. Of course, by a drone, yes. <laughs> uh, I would just pay just so I could see the drone. Look, my pizza's coming. <laughs> it's across the park. All right, so let's get a bit into the future. So where do you see innovation in supply chain? Where do you see keeping it personal in a digital age changing over the next five to ten years? And uh, what are the challenges? So I'd say the biggest opportunity, again, is to continue to hone in on what the customer need is and presenting them with options. And I can't stress enough the importance of presenting options, not forcing them to do something, and then letting them choose and then catering to that and not being afraid to say, sure, you want a premium experience 
or you want a highly tailored, very specific delivery experience, there's a cost to that and making the customer aware of that cost and then letting them choose. That, that to me is so important is not being afraid of that. Again, we live in this age of everything's free, but we all know in this industry, none of it's free. And not being afraid to set an expectation for the customer. We can dial this in, we can get you a very uh, tailored solution for your delivery, but there's a cost related to it. Or you can have the general solution, which is lower cost, but there's not as much customization to it. So, and I think customers are fine with that. So that's what gives the opportunity to do. And, and seriously, though, and maybe it is delivering pizzas via drone. And, you know, I'm not sure, you know, what that those solutions look like, but that's all part of it, and and being open to that. The challenge, of course, is how do you keep it profitable? I mean, you can do things because it's a cool story, but at the end of the day, in our industry, we need to be profitable. We need to make money. That's how we grow. That's how we continue to innovate. Something has to pay for that, and it gets paid for by the profits of making smart decisions. So we, we need to stay away from solutions that may seem cool, but if it's not scalable or profitable to deliver pizzas by drone, that's probably not a good long-term solution, even if it's really cool. And that's where I get back to the notion of innovation. Sometimes it just may be it's a woman driving a car who hands you your pizza on your doorstep, and that's the most effective, efficient, best customer experience that someone's going to get to receive that pizza. So we, we, we want to be sure that as we innovate and as we pursue it, we're also keeping an eye on the bottom line, seeing what truly works, because it has to be sustainable over the long term. So I'd say that's definitely some, you know, there's some risk there to fall in love with solutions that are not actually scalable and workable long term because they are profitable. I completely agree, but I think I just heard Nick's heartbreak a little, just I, a little I bit. I think it did. All right, so last... La- well, my work here is done, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so la- I'm working hard on a podcast. I don't, I don't know what else to I'll get over it. Well, it was bad enough. The hockey game I watched yesterday was bad enough for me, so... All right, so, so let's get into the last question before we wind down the interview. What's next for Geodis and Alex? So what's next for Geodis, and I, I have to say that coming out of startups coming out of small growing companies to join a 39,000 person global organization. I, I mentioned I was in the army for 10 years. That was the last big corporation I was part of. It's been all startups since then. And so to join this organization, you wonder, is it possible for me to fit in? Is it possible for me to continue to do and innovate? And, and, and you know, the reasons that GIDIS partnered with Kanga, is it possible to continue to do that in an environment that has to encompass so many levels and layers because of how large the organization is. And I'm thrilled to say it is absolutely an environment. So many companies talk about they want to innovate, they want to collaborate with smaller companies, but then big companies just really aren't sure how to how to do that. And you just can do that. And it's been great being a part of it. And you know, this this last mile solution is not the only area where they're doing it. There's lots of innovative things that they're working on. So for Judas, uh, they're going to continue to grow and expand and then diversify their solutions, uh, continue to diversify the number of clients they serve. You know, historically, it's been you know, very few but very large companies that have been their solution, and they're continuing to uh, go out and do customer discovery and find more and more uh, clients where we can tailor a solution for them and uh, just diversify our, our list of clients. So, Innovation is rewarded if you're smart about it, and Judas has been very smart about it, 
and, and it's part of the culture and they'll continue to innovate and that makes it a very exciting company to be a part of. Uh, what's next for me? Uh, continued disruption. I ask the question all the time, you know, at what point does a company go from being the disruptor to the disrupted? So you need to both be looking ahead and checking your rear view mirror. <laughs> and uh, I love all the technology can do. I love the ways in which it can solve problems. Uh, I think it can be a powerful uniter. It can also be a divider. But I think that the smart companies who recognize the ways to bring people together with technology, to bring people solutions that they might not have otherwise had as a way to connect people, bring them solutions that they want. I think that's really the power of technology. And I love it in the logistics space and supply chain because of the impact it has. It's so far reaching. When we talked in the beginning about how massive a supply chain uh, operation is just tied to getting you a lawnmower. Imagine all the other things that are out there right now that are part of the supply chain ecosystem. The reach is everywhere. The impact is significant. Uh, very few people on this planet aren't touched in some way or another by supply chain, whether it's getting your pizza delivered at 11 o'clock on a Friday night or it's humanitarian relief arriving after a disaster in some country. That's all supply chain. And so the look and look and look for those opportunities and to be smart and leverage technology, be open to doing things uh, in a new or different way and also be perfectly willing to embrace what has worked and maybe the best solution, even if it's not new and fun and shiny. Like drone deliveries, I'm sorry, Nick. You know, drone deliveries may not be scalable as, as, as exciting and shiny as it is. It may be. Who knows? I, I still got my Xbox, so I'm still okay. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Alex, thank you so much. You, uh, you brought a lot of valuable information to us and our listeners today. So we are very happy that you were, you were able to take the time out of your conference to uh, be on this interview. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. It's great that uh, resources like this exist, particularly for those of us in supply chain, to have uh, you all talking about uh, these questions and, and you know, seeking answers from the industry experts. It's really great. Thank you for doing what you do. Awesome. Thank you, Alex. How are you keeping it personal in this digital age? How are you innovating? Alex gave us a lot to think about. Next week, we are catching the director, master of logistics and supply chain management at Georgia College, just before he leaves for Iceland. Carl stops by to discuss a topic most of us can relate to, transportation and the search for savings. This episode was produced by Daniel Smith. We're your hosts, Nick and Sarah. We'd like to thank all of you for all your support you have given us. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Remember to write us a review. And remember, folks, ship happy. Are you looking for short-term storage solutions? We have an empty warehouse space and we'd like to fail. Secure Scoops is your Airbnb for warehouse. Connecting vacant warehouse space with companies that need space for their products. Visit them at securedskids.com for more information and to sign up for free.